buddy, do you have some nitro in stock? Can I meet you in the back? <laughs> it was almost tempting to get like the 40 gallon drum of the stuff, but that seems like Ooh, excessive. Yeah, you don't want to store that in the garage. No, I don't want to store that much in the garage. Yeah. No, that just, that's just, there's a bomb waiting to go off. Next to the oily rags <clears throat> and lipos. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hello everyone, welcome to the RC Roundtable, where we present to you another wonderful episode where we talk airplanes and other types of RC models, because we have a riddled with ADD and we discuss all kinds of topics. So just sit back and relax. I am Fitz Walker, and you're not. And joining me is Terry Dunn. Heidi ho there. Heidi ho, neighbor. And of course, Mr. Quick Hands Typist Lee Ray. <laughs> Hello. Hello. How many words a minute can you type? Uh, 80. For reals? For reals. Okay. Real words? No. <laughs> Klingon. I can type any Klingon words a minute. <laughs> I can type gibberish at about a thousand words a minute. I can type 80. I, can, I took a typing class in high school. That's, that's yeah. impressive. Dang. Well, quick, take a note. Okay. Go. <laughs> All right. Buy low, sell high. And? All right. <laughs> and that's quick, it. I know quick notes. Brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. <laughs> I'm it. the model... I'm the model of the modern major general. <laughs> yes, I can type fast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, you, you you listeners have been spared uh, when we set up for a program. Leah get on a keyboard and it's just like an automated typing machine. That we're like, what the hell are you typing, man? Yeah. It's like, y'all don't realize, like, over half the editing is just taking my typing out. We've got to make a, a bypass Lee kicking, uh, typing the keyboard uh, filter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, computer filter. I will Nothing. try to refrain this time. Okay. Hold yourself back. Become one with the microphone instead of the keyboard. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get this show on the road. First thing up is, uh, well, we've got Hangar 9 has come up with two new stuff in the past couple of weeks or so. Uh, first up is an ASH-31 glider. And, oh, my mother mercy, it's big. It's very How big. How big is it? How about 21 feet wingspan? Big. See, I I thought the number 252 inches seemed like that was the way to describe it. You know, six six meters, eh. Yeah. Whatever. 252 inches. Wow. <laughs> that sounds impressive, too. But then you, say, when, then you realize, wait a minute, that's 21 feet. That's <laughs> a big airplane. Uh, this is really impressive. They would come out with something like this. It's all carbon uh, composite construction. Not carbon, excuse me. It's all composite construction. Uh, they talk about, you know, first thing I thought about is the wings. How the heck are you going to transport this thing? And they say the wing breaks down into four pieces. And even at four pieces, I don't know if it'll fit in my car. But uh, give them credit for that. Uh, removal stabilizer. So it looks like it can break down pretty good. I don't know about the fuselage. You still got this really long fuselage you're going to deal with. So you're probably going to need either a big SUV or trailer to lug this thing around. Uh, but lots of nice features. They have Wait, spoilers. it doesn't come with a trailer? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there a trailer option in the in the little parts and accessories tab? It doesn't need a trailer. It just has a hitch. <laughs> yeah, it just has a hitch and you just tow it behind you, behind your car. Curse for the prizes day, we'll get to that in a minute. You should probably should come with a trailer. I didn't even think we'd talk about that, but it just made me think like when when my dad had a glider on the side of our house, it was on like a flatbed trailer that was made to hold the wings upright and so forth. But if you had on like a uh one of those little smart cars or something, you could easily get a little trailer for this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, perfect setup. <laughs> you better hope there's no crosswind on the highway. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I, I'm, I'm over, guys, it's going to happen. I'm saying it now, it's going to happen. Someone is going to build a custom trailer for that thing. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna make it so they're just going to use the two wings and they're going to get one of those glider, canopy, you know, or covered trailers, and it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see that. It's going to be like a mini version of a glider trailer. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be impressive. Uh, so anyways, uh, it has uh, electric retracts with gear doors, uh, spoilers, wheels Coral on the wingtip. Or retract? Retract. One wheel. Center wheel. Uh, retract. Okay. And it's a fuselage. It's actually got an impressive retract mechanism. It's a really, really nice, uh, it's like it's got some sort of gear drive on it, you know, the motor. It it's really looks really heavy duty. and Not your typical electric retract. Uh, There's nothing talk- typical about this model. No, no. It's got, I like how it has the wingtip wheels, like a real glider does. Okay. Um, I remember when we used to manhandle the, the full-size gliders, they had these little, uh, what do you call those? Not roller skates, those inline skate things. The roller blades? Yeah, inline skates. They had wheels that were basically stolen from inline skates on the wingtips. That was, that was oh. kind of funny. Uh, Total release mechanism, I think I mentioned that. Fairings. Really big cockpit tub. Uh there's no pilot figure included, but there is an optional one, I guess, uh, that is, you can get separately. And it had a picture of it, and the thing was huge. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't know if you guys caught the scale of this thing. Does it have a scale? Easily quarter scale, it looked like it. Probably. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe even bigger than quarter scale. Third scale? So what's the 31 and Ash 31 stand for? I have no idea. It's not the wingspan? I have no idea. Hmm, Okay. Should I start typing feverishly? And... <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. I don't know if the 31 stands for anything in particular. I think it's just a, the, the number and sequence of the models of that particular okay. design. Uh, what I thought was really interesting is they have an option for an electric motor that you can put in it. Uh, you fly Power 60 and 4S or 6S. You can That's somehow it? put in there. That's seems it. Like, yeah, it seems like you need more motor than that. Oh, yeah, it's got so much wingspan, so much lift, but I don't. 6S, though. I mean, that's probably a good, okay. good chunk of power. It's turning what a 16, Six, it's turning a 16-inch prop, isn't it? Yeah, 1610 prop, so it's got a good-sized prop. How does that clear? <laughs> I think you hand-launch it. Well, you say that, and did y'all happen to see uh, Horizon posted? I think they may have been at a fest or something, but they were actually towing a glider with this ash. Oh, really? Yeah. So a powered version and a pure glider? Yes. They, oh, they were towing cool. a little glider with this powered ash. Talk <laughs> about meta. It was neat. <laughs> so I, I guess you have plenty of power then. My sources tell me that the full scale has a 21 meter wingspan. So that puts us at somewhere between quarter and third scale. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, the real ones are really big plane. The little wow. ones are really big plane. The real one. Oh, yeah, they're both big, so... Yeah. I guess the only thing this thing is missing is water ballast. 
Someone's going to do it. <laughs> and what does it weigh? 26 pounds. Okay. Interesting. Well, considering the huge wings, it's really not that bad. Well, it's got a, a long span wing, but the cord is very narrow. So Yeah, but it's still, that's very efficient. Yeah, high high sure. uh, aspect ratio wing. Oh, it's got flaps too. I forgot to mention that. And spoilers. And spoilers. Flap spoilers. I wonder if you can reflex the flaps. Uh, and it's a very nice looking plane. Very pretty. Yeah, but it, it's. I was surprised to see this come out because it seems like a very niche item. How many people are yeah. really going to be into this? How many people have the uh, means to haul it up either behind a tow plane or on a winch? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I agree with you. When I was really surprised to see that, I was like, uh, I don't know. This would be an interesting market analysis on this thing to see who where the market is. I wonder if it's more popular in Europe than it would be in the states. I would imagine, yeah. And there's the size, and then there's the cost, which you've already hinted at. Yeah. Which Shall for what it, it is is probably yeah. Go ahead. Twenty seven hundred dollars. Right. I don't know where that falls in terms of comparable models. It doesn't seem crazy for something this large, composite. Yeah, I, from what I understand, uh, composite gliders can actually be pretty expensive. Yeah. It, so it's probably not all that out of whack for something this big and it's a composite construction. What's the scale of, of cost from the real thing? <laughs> are we talking Are we talking six costs, quarter cost? <laughs> uh, good question. Does it match the, the full-size one? <laughs> yeah, real ones can be pretty expensive. Oh, I bet. I bet. It's a, it's a fascinating model that they produce, especially for American companies or something like this. So uh, I hope it sells well for them. I'd love to see one in the flesh. I'm with yeah, I'm with you, Fitz. I'd love to see one. I'd love to get you know my hands on one just to to fly if someone's got one, but not something that'll be in my uh, on my Christmas list. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it'd be too much of a logistical effort for me to have one, own one of these things. Yeah. Sir, I, I definitely like it though. It's it's neat. I hope they find yeah. a, you know the people that can afford it and can really enjoy it. I'd love to see some uh, more videos. Yeah. All right. Next up, something a little more down to earth, a Hellcat. That's not a good way to describe an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I see something more uh, mainstream. How about that? All right. We've got, they just popped up a 15cc Hellcat ARF, uh, 60 something inch wingspan, 65 inch, if I remember correctly, 64 inch, excuse me. Uh, they're talking either glow or electric. They have provisions for both. It's uh, all wood construction with, uh, I guess, ultra coat covering. Looks like a really nice covering on it. Uh, the, the fuselage I thought at first was, uh, com- like fiberglass or something, but apparently it's all covered in ultra coat. Hmm. Uh, and uh, let's see what else did I had a couple of notes. Uh, a nice rotating retracts on it. Looks really nice. The only thing I was a little bit disappointed is it doesn't look like it has flaps. Unless I missed something. I don't see which flaps. I, which I thought was very odd. Hmm. Because I mean, a Hellcat has a large wing for yeah. for its size. Yeah. And I think flaps are probably not necessary in most planes that have them. Well, true. They're just uh, a G-Wiz kind of feature. It's nice, but it's also almost one of those things that's kind of expected nowadays to have. But you're right. Flaps is almost not needed. Although in some small fields, they can really help because you can make a steeper approach if you got a lot of obstructions. 
without building up a lot of airspeed on landing. Right. So if you got a small, some clubs are really are small or have trees right at the end of the runway, so you got to kind of dive and flare, and that's where flaps can really help you. And Terry, even if this thing had flaps, you know Fitz is just going to put nine gram servos in it. <laughs> I'll be quiet, you. <laughs> uh, so, but it is really nice. The Hellcat, of course, is one of the you know, classic designs of World War Two. So, um, that's great. They come out with a nice big one, relatively big one like that. Interesting paint scheme on it with the white tail and white ailerons. I assume that's accurate. Terry, you're the expert on uh, insignia. Do you, do you know where that comes from or anything? Any? Oh, uh, I have no idea. How did I become the expert? I think you're confused. No, you, oh. you pull up. I, I agree with Fitz. You pull up stuff all the time. You know when things don't look quite right. Uh, the insignia is yeah. on right side up. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bonus it's a three and that's a two <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the pointy part of the star is up top so yeah it's good okay now there were a lot of different color variations with you know the different squadrons in world war ii i have no idea if this is a real thing or if it's made up but yeah but i didn't think the navy varied all that much when they flew these yeah, somebody could tell me that it's real and i'd believe them well, I guess the good thing is you're not flying a silhouette with this. At least you got some highlights on it to kind of give you better orientation. Yeah, that's often a problem with those World War II Navy models being the all-over blue. The silhouette is tough to, to distinguish. Yeah. I imagine that's maybe why they went with that. Probably so. Uh, but it's great to see a Hellcat. Uh, it's, it's a nice big one. 15cc up to a 21cc four-stroke. And off you go. Well, now that you guys have been dabbling in nitro and gas more, if you mm. got one of these, which way would you go? Uh, me, personally, I probably would still go electric with it. Same. Is there a hatch for a battery? Yes. Okay. That's, that's the nice thing. I mean, they did make it for both, so I do like that. Right. And it's kind of like the, the, it's a top hatch. And there are optional retracts, which I've, I was looking at because I uh, was wondering if it came with it, but they didn't. It's just fixed, kind of like the, the deal I'm working with right now with my Corsair. Uh, but what I thought was uh, was interesting is that uh, it, and I don't know if it's true, but it's using the same uh, Corsair retracts, uh, the struts, excuse me. Hmm. Why is that interesting? Thing. Uh, I just I was just wondering if it's the same rotation. Did, is that something we knew? Did the Hellcat and Corsair have the same rotating? Like, is it ninety five degrees? I think something like that. Oh, I don't know if the exact geometry is the same, but they both folded back and rotated. Yeah. So anyway, just neat. So that is optional. It's like one hundred and sixty bucks you'd have to add on, but I think that'd be worth it. Yeah, that's almost required. Yeah. What, did, what was it we said before? Keith said when he, a, a plane with landing gear. Fixed landing gear is always coming in for a landing? Or? Yeah, always in a pattern. <laughs> always in a pattern is what he said. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's pretty. Now, we mentioned, we, we touched on it. I, I'm not a big fan of the white ailerons, so I think I'd, uh, I'd cover those up. I don't, the tail doesn't bother me as much, but I think the white ailerons is kind of odd looking. That's just one thing for me. Yeah, I noticed it right off the bat, too. That's that why I was wondering if that was a real squadron or something. Oh. oh, well, it is what it is. But you have that option. You can cover it, paint it, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm always thinking, every Hellcat I've always seen, I, I don't think it's, like you said, it's never been this dark. It's usually a, that light blue, you know, two-tone. Oh, yeah. I've seen both. 
So I was going to ask you guys, how do dark-colored, monocoated, or whatever iron-on film of your choice, how do those fare down in the Houston sunshine? Well, shoot, I told you that uh, small, my gray P38 was starting to to wrinkle on me, so I don't think any color matters in Texas heat. It's going to wrinkle. <laughs> hot <laughs> but, is hot. But yeah, I would I would cover it. Now, you know, I love the, the dark blue on the Corsair that I have from you, Terry. I mean, I like that, so I wouldn't mm-hmm. change it. But I think if I had the Hellcat, I, and if it was a big project for me, I might change it. I might lighten it up a bit. Hmm. All right. So I know I've seen people that actually had their canopies would melt if they left them in direct sunlight. If they were painted a certain way if they didn't cover it up it would just collapse down I'm raising my hand i've got a black canopy that melted on me yeah i had a problem with some of my foamies with the canopy not melting but inside if it's a foam plane with a fo- black painted foam interior cockpit it'll bubble up and that kind of stuff yeah the alligator skin yeah yeah they need to make more texas safe planes <laughs> See, if they put the word Texas in front of safe, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've uh, beaten that one to death. So kudos to Horizon for a couple of really nice planes. I hope to see them out in the field sometime in the very near future. So, you know, there's going to be the other Hellcat 2 from Top Flight, the big brother of this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, I think those right. are on pre-order now, so it won't be long. Hellcat Showdown. Yeah. All right, so this, I had something popped up on RC groups I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, it was kind of almost, I almost missed it. It was on a, on a side column. They actually had an interview with the president of Horizon Hobbies. So I guess to round out our Horizon Hobby talk. And he had a, he talked, they asked him some questions regarding uh, their merger with Hobbyco and acquisition of the Hobbyco products. And I th- thought the, the interview was uh, had a couple of interesting nuggets in there that we, perhaps we can read between the lines on and, and that kind of stuff. So thought I'd kind of cover over a little bit, see what you guys thought. Uh, he he mentioned that they're putting together uh, Horizon Hobby Co. together to create a new Horizon, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. So uh, I guess they're going to use this merger to, to, I guess, create something new out of the, the remnants of Hobby Co. and maybe... Uh, pull everything in a new direction it's hard to say so not just assimilate hobbyco into horizon but out of the two create one new thing yeah yes okay something greater than the sum of its parts perhaps uh also they 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 reinforce that hobbyco will not go away uh at least the name of hobbyco but the way it gets used in the future will be different than the way it is used in the past that's kind of autonomous uh, Yeah, it's statement. very specific. Yeah. Release a series of knitting needles under the Hobby Co. brand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hobby Co. knitting needles <laughs> and crochet. <laughs> Do your new crochet and Hobby Co. crochet machine. Uh, well, yeah, like I said, it had some interesting things we read between the lines. That's why I wanted to kind of see what you guys thought. Uh, and of course, they got some some PR stuff. They're saying we're focused on selling the products that people want to buy. Well, of course, <laughs> <laughs> we make the stuff that people hate. 
Yes. <laughs> so reading between the line, you mentioned that they're looking at various brands and products to see where demand is. So you know, it's kind of something I had thought about before. If I was making an acquisition, I'd see what sells, what's not selling, where the market is, and we'll likely see some things probably go away. Although they did reinforce that Axial, Arma, Real Flight, Top Flight, and Tromeda will continue. They actually pointed that out by name. Uh, don't know if they did. He does. Did Hobby even still sell the top flight kits, or was it only ARFs that they were selling, like a tower or whatnot? Well, I don't know what the plan for the future is, but when we went and checked not long ago, we could only find ARFs. Because mm. that's a big question a lot of people have: is what about kits? Mm. At least Hobby has still had some kits. Uh, will that go away completely, or will they continue to to keep some of the least top flight kits? Or I think they had some SIG kits and some of your other brands. I only see two top flight kits on Tower Site. Mm. Not that kits are a big business, but it seems like people seem to like just the idea of having kits available. Well, even if they disappear from here, there are other outlets you can get them from Boston sure. USA or. Sig, as you mentioned, no, there's others. And yeah, then, you can go direct. That's yeah. just the big stuff. The smaller ones, there's even more options. Oh, yeah, there's lots of cottage industries with uh, Steven Ayers, Steven's Aero model, and uh, yeah. Perk Scale models. There, there's all kinds. Zip kits. Yeah, zip Ooh. kits. Zip kits. Well, we should well, talk about that. We should. We'll do that later. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, so they're talking about repositioning brands. Uh, they they had they mentioned that some of their brands may only be through brick and mortar retail stores. So it sounds like they're still heavily going to support the hobby stores for some of their brands, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, they may merge some of their smaller brands into uh, part of another brand. So they may con- sounds like they're going to consolidate brands into a larger brand or something along those lines. So well, we it may sounds see some like name changes. You know, we've talked about before in instances where there's duplicates of certain things, it, it doesn't yeah. really make sense to continue them both. So, I don't know if what he's saying is specific to that kind of situation or if there's mm. more to it. But another thing to mention is uh, a lot of people noticed that uh, Habico and brands such as Tower and Great Plains have been out of stock on a lot of items uh, until the merger, or even still now. And he touched on that. They, they mentioned that Habico had been capital constrained, meaning I guess they were been low on funds for uh, backfilling some of their out-of-stock inventory. I think and it's so, a nice way of saying they weren't paying their suppliers. Yes. <laughs> I was being diplomatic about it, but yes. Yeah. So apparently, and it, I think I had heard through the grapevine that some of their suppliers had been put off uh, by the lack of payment and had been not shipping products. So looks like Habico, uh, Habico, Horizon is working to rectify that uh, based on his statements, which makes sense. And so they're working on improving the fill rate of all the products that have been out of stock. So that's good to hear that. Uh, they also touched on uh, opening up more product development and integrating Spectrum Electronics into Axial and Armor products. So if I can infer from that, that we may see that on an airplane site too, which would be interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure about, well, maybe it's both, but I'm pretty sure that those car brands had tactic systems in them before on their yes. ready-to-run version. So mm. yet another suggestion that tactic will go away. You're talking about speaking of tactic. One thing we haven't brought up since our second-to-last recording when we talked about um, – 
our DC3 and C47, our FlyZone products, they're most likely disappearing. Why don't you share what happened with our, because you're the one who called us, Terry, about the FlyZone line. What did I tell you? That you called me up and said, did you know that they were discontinued? Oh, right, right. That uh, for whatever reason, I checked the tower site for the DC3 and it showed that they were discontinued. But that's been a couple of weeks. I'm not sure what the situation is now. What's Still discontinued. I mean, I'm on FlyZone's website right now. They've got a picture of the C-47, and you click on it, it says, not available. Huh. Well, that was a flash in the pan, huh? Yeah, yeah. it just came out and already is discontinued. That's probably the fastest <laughs> product I've ever seen go to vapor. Wow. So does so that mean ours is a collector's item? Yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we put them on eBay for inflated prices? Yeah, if you hadn't crashed it, maybe. I couldn't give mine away at small. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm hanging on to mine. Now that I got it working as a tow plane, it's fun. You made me think of both products, the Tactic and the Flyzone. You know, that kind of bothers me. I did like the Tactic uh, system. I have several planes that fly it. My, you know, my Great Plains uh, Electric Hub is using my Tactic radio system. And, and you're right, though. I, I feel that both of those products are going to be gone by the end of the year. That's yeah, my I confiscate the one you've already got. I know. I just you get to it, keep it. <laughs> yes, Terry. Thanks. <laughs> well, guy shows up at the door, the black suit. Do you have a six sixty? <laughs> <laughs> we have a. We have, they have tracers on all their radios. <laughs> Remember, we well, can do like, this the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> well, you know, you say that I'm going to get us really off topic. But did you ever see the movie? I think it's like What Killed the Electric Car. Uh, it's, it's it's back in the 80s or 90s, but it's about a company that, yeah, that made an electric car. And then they were all like leased and they came out and they took all the cars from everybody who had one and then they destroyed them all. Yeah, yeah. that was the GM electric car. EV1, I think. It was EV1, called. there you go. Yeah, yeah it, but that's it. They they came they came out and grabbed them all. So I better just hide and bury my tactic career. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so when they come looking for it, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they did that to the Beechcraft uh, Starship. Starship. Yeah. yeah, they chopped them all up. The See, bastards. so it's not so it's not far it's not so far fetched, Terry. They might actually come for my Technic Radio. <laughs> Better bury it. Hey, you, you, we we have you have four receivers. We only have three. Where's that fourth receiver? <laughs> well, I, I was gonna jump on another thing about uh, for Fitz um, going through this whole little talk, and I I was reading some of the comments on RC groups uh, concerning the interview, and two things j- jumped into my head. Number one is uh, someone mentioned they were having a tough time getting nitro fuel from Tower, and it's been backward for a long time. And Fitz, you mentioned. You're having problems getting nitro. Yeah, I mean, is is that a big deal? Have you talked to anybody else about who, people who might be flying glow and and what they're doing with that? Uh, not specifically. I've heard some scuttlebutt that other people are having issues getting nitro. I think they had a supply issue at some point, and I think it's just now starting to clear up. But I don't have any hard numbers or specifics. But uh, apparently, it. Uh, the guy I buy from, they were out for the longest time, and they started got they've gotten some in, but they've they're bit backfilling orders. Uh, so, uh, are the prices about the same? Uh, good question. Yeah, I think the prices were about the same, although they've gone up lately in general. But for the most part, I think it's about the same. Hmm. Okay, and it does seem that all um, a lot of the opinions on this buyout is that uh, towers, you know, is going to disappear. 
you know, we're not going to see it. We're, we're going to lose a lot of brands, kind of like what we suspected. Well, they said specifically that Tower was here to stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I, I'm going to preface this. I, I, I'm not going to feed someone's ego to, to make them listen to us or whatever. I'm, I'm just who I am. I, I buy from Horizon. I like Horizon products. I buy from Tower. Uh, I'm just saying I don't feel that Tower is going to stick around for much longer. He may be saying that, but I don't think that's what we're going to see. I think I think Great Plains is probably going to disappear. And Futaba's, you know, on their own. And uh, gosh, I'd like to think that Top Flight will stick around, at least Monaco and stuff. But who knows? It might just be uh, might be the end for them. Speaking of Futaba, when we mentioned their new service center that's opening in Alabama, at the time, we weren't sure if it was going to be only servicing the existing fleet or if they're actually going to develop and sell new stuff. I have it from a good source that they will be developing and selling new stuff through that same location. All right. Good for Futaba. Yeah. And now getting back to the C-47, if anybody wants to take my $5 bet, I say that it comes out as a E-Flight or Park Zone model before long. The Spectrum gear. With AS3X. Yep. Yep, I agree. I think think you're right. Yeah, the the E-Flight has nothing like it, so... Uh, and they just dropped a bunch of money on molds and stuff, I presume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That can, could not have been cheap to do that. So for the A3X, perhaps remotor it, and off you go. In which case, which case, it probably will be a better flying aircraft. Fix the props. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what is it that uh, High Tech uses for the servos? When they came out there with new gears, it was a big, big deal for their gears. The what is carbonite? That? Car- carbonite. Carbonite. Thank yeah. you. They need to put Her- carbonite props. They also <laughs> have that thing. titanium gears. We can have titanium props. All right. Okay. I'm good for that. Just something that lasts a little longer. <laughs> it's like it had a perforated edge right at the hub. <laughs> they all cut off perfectly clean. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Are we done speculating? We're done speculating. Let's uh, speculate ourselves into a quick break, and we'll be right back. When you man this airplane for the first time, bear in mind that you are about to fly a fighter equipped with an engine which will develop 2,000 horsepower. So we've had uh, before uh, uh, Tony Curso, who's one of the team pilots for Motion RC, and so we uh, kind of keep an eye on what Motion RC has been doing. And one of the big news they had is that they have opened a new warehouse on the European continent. Uh, and in the Netherlands, to be specific, uh, right outside of some big city, which I just forgot the name of. <laughs> <laughs> it's a city everybody heard of. Think of the city of the Netherlands, and it's right outside that one. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a right. Dutch. I don't have a Dutch accent to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> promote <laughs> motion RC. <you> know. <laughs> so, uh, so it's it's pretty interesting. They, they it sounds like they've really been expanding the business. So they're opening up a, a EU store or warehouse, so people in the European continent can get their stuff. Uh, I guess maybe duty free, import free, but also much quicker and cheaper. So uh, kudos to them for opening up. Uh, Something that our European friends can now buy uh, some really neat products and not have to wait a long time and pay a lot of extra money. 
So for all our Netherland listeners out there, <laughs> look for your Motion RC store. Well, I think <laughs> the bigger takeaway from this is this seems to be an indication that Motion is doing well. Yeah. So, I mean, compared to our previous conversation with Tower and Horizon kind of scrapping things together, this is good news. Yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to mention it. It sounds like they're really growing and, in, and they've been putting out a lot of product and it sounds like business is good for them, really good for a, a small American-run company like that. It's great to see how well they're doing. And uh, and I finally remember the name of the city, Amsterdam. Right outside of Amsterdam. <laughs> how can I forget Amsterdam? I'm, uh, ugh. I think lots of people forget Amsterdam when they leave. Yeah. But. <laughs> oh, man, I got that. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I'm a little slow. Well, it was but, a stretch. That's, because, was a lovely that's because you just loved Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard it's a lovely place, especially this time of year. Uh, so kudos to uh, Motion, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll uh, at some point have Tony back on. We can maybe interrogate him on how they're doing over there and go from there. Do the motion RC planes fly differently in Amsterdam? Do they have to reverse the motor direction? Is, is everything backwards <laughs> over there? It's like the British planes have the backwards spinning engines. I mean, if it if it has to go to mode one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'll include mode one transmitters with their yeah. flies. Do they do things differently over there? That's that's the question. We have to find out. It's like, you know, we have our, our black and red color for batteries. Are they different? Is it purple and yellow? Yeah. <laughs> I know they they put the Velcro on different than we. Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Anyways, so Lee, speaking of uh, kit companies, you had something on your mind regarding a particular kit manufacturer. Yeah, well, my neighbor Steve, <clears throat> he's been into boats, and uh, we'll we'll touch on it later. But you know, he just was at uh, an event for Ruth Fitz yesterday, so you got to meet my friend Steve. Oh yes, but- I did. Yeah, so he, um, he he does sailboats, but before uh, my good friend Chuck Porth passed away, he had mentioned the, this little tugboat called uh, called a well, it's a tugboat by a company called Zipkits, and he had printed off the uh, like a it's more of a magazine article for us to look at. And he said, you know, it'd be great if you guys had tugboats, so you know, if your if your boat's stuck in the pond, you can bring it, retrieve it, and bring it back. And he just he again he was passing it on uh telling us you know this is a great way to get kids involved and so forth so my friend steve bought uh two two copies of this little tugboat and he's putting one together and he figured he'd do the first one just to see how it's like and the second one will come out better and it, it's actually pretty neat it's a it's a all laser cut uh, plywood kit and i've been helping him put it together and we will post some photos pretty soon he's just starting to paint it but um some some interesting steps. <laughs> I took it upon myself to like ignore the instructions and do things my way, uh, and uh, but we've been having fun putting it together, and I think I'll I'll get into uh, uh, one of the tugboats. But I just wanted to mention Zip Kits. I I don't know anything about them. I I don't I haven't read the about us. I guess I could click on it right here. Uh, they've been operating since two thousand six. Uh, they design and develop cut all their kits in their own shop um in the yeah, u.s in the u.s uh, joe petro there you are shout out to joe petro joe my friend steve loves this little boat uh, i can't wait to put it in the water but we went to their website and they've got a lot of boats it seems like they're known for their nitro boats 
So they've got a little hydro, some hydro boats out there, some really fast little sprint boats. And if I heard Steve correctly, he said the tugboat came around by using scraps from these other kits that they that you know they make their money on. And so they just found ways of using the scraps to make other boats, and this little tugboat was one of them. And it's pretty darn cool. So uh, zipkits.com, that's Z-I-P-P-K-I-T-S.com. Uh, give them a look. Uh, it's pretty darn neat, and uh, I'll, I'll be buying something from them, and maybe... I'll buy one or two and 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 bring something extra to best as a giveaway. Uh. So, check it out. So, how well, big is this tugboat? I had a, I couldn't quite get the scale of it from your pictures. Uh, do do do. I don't need numbers. Give me a, a reference. Maybe eighteen inches. Okay, so eighteen not twenty inches big. long. Not at all. And it's DC brush motor single. They actually have a new version now. It's. They have a uh, a dual engine tugboat now. Okay, which is pretty cool. They do no, have no. a couple of planes. I didn't even mention the planes, but it looks like they're Sea Monkey, which is a a, a pod, a power pod little plane. Is uh, very is one of their like known aviation kits. I think they're mo- they're known more for their boats. Uh, oh, it's called the Tugster, by the way. That's the actual official name of the tugboat, the Tugster. So. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's pretty neat. Now I'm looking at the pictures. They're, the hulls look very odd. <laughs> yeah. Kind of cartoonish. It is. Yeah, and that works. It, I mean, it's a weird looking hull. Yeah. And uh, uh, the article I read, the article that my friend Chuck had given to me, was a very positive uh, review on it. So. Yeah. They're cute though. They have character. And I think cute is the the word we're going for. This is something I think it's. I think it's a very easy kit to build. Um, I, yeah. Steve, you know, Steve did it all with CA, I think, and a little, and then he did a coat of epoxy, you know, protective. I mean, it's it's not a difficult kit at all. It's very, it, from my experience so far, the cutting is is better than that electric hub. <laughs> everything's everything's fitting together. Uh, you know, I and right now it looks like it's on sale. It was forty. It's twenty nine dollars, and it comes with a lot. Uh, yeah, pretty neat. I assume it's like a Speed 400 size, or is it an 05? Yeah, it's a can. It's a can. Well, right. Like oh. 05, yeah. Oh, okay, a big one. All right. And you had one of those in a drawer? Oh, I'm sure. Oh, no, I think he actually bought it online. Oh. oh, but I'm sure I have one, yeah. In fact, I've got those four. I could probably throw a 400 in there from like my... Uh, uh, what am I, my wing. The wing I crashed. The Zaggy? No, no, you know, the old Zaggy, exactly. The old Zaggy motor I kept because I upgraded oh, to yeah. brushless. I could probably throw that in there. Just yeah, for fun. Yeah, 400. Yeah. I actually kind of like the uh, the wheelhouse kit. That one, I kind of neat. It's got windows on the bottom there and some other stuff. It just yeah. yeah, the five. It says five fifty, but I think you could run a four hundred. It's it's very lightweight. They they tell you to add weight, but I think for just for a little pond, it'd be great. Yeah. So, is this your first wooden boat that you've participated in building? Uh, no. I <clears throat> I had a Sterling puddle jumper. My father and oh. I both had puddle jumpers. Okay. Airboats. Yeah. I was going to say, I've never built a boat from scratch like that. I just wonder what's different between that and an airplane. Mm. Well, the tugboats look like they'd be really easy to build. Looks like a, for a first uh, boat kit, looks like it'd be a perfect design because they're, they're very simple looking. Uh, doesn't doesn't seem to have any compound curves or anything like that. So Maybe we should do a three view. Ah. Maybe. And you're... Yeah. Your idea, or Steve's idea, is to use it as a retrieval boat? Mm-hmm. 
FPV. <laughs> good idea. Do it. Oh, and yeah. you got to look at page 22 <gasps> when you guys look at this. If you go to the instructions, look at page 22. Is that have... the centerfold? <laughs> yeah, it's centerfold, all right. It's the two kahunas right there. <laughs> they're they're handfuls. <laughs> Six volt sealed lead acid gel cell batteries for ballast. Really? In an eighteen inch boat? I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Go look at it. This that's what he he bought the whole setup power setup, and that they want you to put those heavy weights in there. So just you know, little things you have to consider when you're when you're towing along. Wow. Yeah, it's that's that's. Sounds like way overkill. Yeah. Because he's a ballast for something. Yeah. Well, this is the part that I love about our show and and talking to my friends about something new. Now you need to go research it, you know, and open your mind and take a look at it. It's pretty neat, you know. Open your mind. Open your mind. Think think of the possibilities with six-volt SLA batteries. (laughs) You could really ram something with that. (laughs) (laughs) Full speed ahead. Damn the torpedoes. Well, I didn't think we talked this much about it, but I'm glad we did, so... Go go to Zipkits, check it out, and uh, and and if anybody out there is listening and they have built a Zipkit, whether it's a boat or an aircraft or, or something else, let us know. Send us pictures. You know, tell us your experience, and uh, you know maybe something else we should be looking at that we're not uh, talking about right now. And and I'm going back to what uh, we said near the beginning of the show. These are the companies that we got to support. The companies that are still making laser cuts. This is a and, and I'm not sure if this helps them or not, but you know, with kits kind of disappearing, it's these mom and pop shops that are still doing it that hopefully can take advantage of this. Hopefully, you know, develop other aircraft and with their skills of building, you know, awesome little tugboats like this, using that to build other aircraft that people can build a kit from scratch. You know, have fun with kit building using laser cut parts and, and, and doing it yourself versus buying just an ARF. So I hope mm. I hope Zip continues manufacturing and I'm I'm looking forward to, to trying one of their kits out. Well simply. <laughs> yeah, all right. Little toot was just a tug, just a happy harbor tug. And it came from a line of tugboats fine and brave. But it seems that little toot simply didn't give a hoot. Though he tried to be good, he never could behave. We've, we've never really talked much about Hobby King for various reasons, but uh, something has come up in the news with them, and it is not good news. Uh, although Depends uh, on how you look at it. <laughs> it shows a blatant uh, disregard for the law, apparently, on Hobby King's part. And no! That's, <laughs> even more blatant than usual, apparently, according to Terry. <laughs> So, uh, if you haven't heard, the FCC has proposed a $2.8 million fine against Hobby King uh, for marketing non-compliant drone transmitters. And they listed off something like 65 different uh, transmitters that they deemed did not meet FCC requirements. Uh, Apparently, Hobby King was selling, at least into the U.S., uh, transmitters that uh, did not have FCC certifications and in many cases either were transmitting out of band or at excessive power within those bands. 
And so it's it's interesting that uh, the FCC has stated that they had contacted Hobby King and wanted some more information, and Hobby King basically just ignored them and brushed them off. And so the FCC said, "Oh well, oh yeah, how 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 would you like a nice little two point eight million dollar fine then for ignoring us?" So this is uh, obviously this is a very spicy meatball, and it seems pretty blatant on Hobby King's part to just you know you got the FCC coming down your neck to kind of not try to make nice with them. And so I, I kind of read over the the information a bit and sounds like they're selling transmitters that for some reason are not uh specified you know if you're in a 2.4 gigahertz band they're way out of frequencies on several on a 2.4 and a 5 point uh, uh gigahertz and uh, i think another band where they're really splashing over into other frequencies including those used by uh, um, government officials or government entities in the united states which is a major no-no Right. Well, let me help clarify some of the stuff you're saying. Um, You mentioned certifications. I I don't really think certification is an issue because, and we're really talking about uh, video transmitters, not the radio control transmitters, but video transmitters for FPV signals. And almost none of the ones that you would buy are certified. That's why you're supposed to have your ham license from the FCC, which Mm. allows you to operate these devices as long as they're within the constraints of the the power and bandwidth that the FCC gives us. Well, yeah, that's still governed by the FCC. Right, but the fact that they're not certified isn't really an issue. It's that even though you're supposed to have a ham to operate this equipment, it can be operated outside of the limits for ham operators, and that's the issue, the main yeah, issue. Yeah, but I think certain frequencies are not even supposed to be used by ham uh radio amateur radio transmitters that's yeah we're we're saying the same thing yeah we're saying the same thing but they actually they mentioned specifically uh bands designed for amateur use must obtain fcc certification mm. that's that's specifically stated in the fcc's um press release okay that's confusing because my understanding is for the fcc part 15 if you have an FCC certification on this device, anybody can use it without an amateur radio license. And that's where our radio transmitters for control come into play. So your Futaba or Spectrum will have a Part 15 certification, which allows anybody to buy it and use it. And it, that's an interesting example because the Hobby King Orange transmitters were dinged not long ago for exactly that. They were selling 2.4 gigahertz systems in the U.S. that had not been certified. Which is a huge no-no, right? Well, there's there's other things with the certification. It's not just power. It, there's uh, uh, interference. It, you can't interfere with other bands. So there's there's a lot of things when you certify it. It has to go through lots of different tests to prevent interference on subbands. Um, there's um, harmonics. There's there's a lot of different things that goes into it. So right. so it sounds like Gabby King was selling things that just weren't certified at all by the FCC. Um, yeah, I think we're still not seeing eye to eye on this, and that's okay. I think the bottom line is the FCC caught Hobby King doing something they weren't supposed to do. Right. But my understanding is you can buy any device you want. You can solder up whatever device you want in in your basement. If you have the amateur license, you're okay to use that. 
but the obligation is now upon you to make sure that it's operating within the constraints given by the FCC. Right. It has to be within the specific bands you're allowed to transmit it, depending on your license. Right. And the power limits, which is what and one watt. Um, for, for some of these, yeah, it's one watt. Yeah. So uh, apparently the bands. stuff they were selling was capable of much higher power output and creeped over the boundaries of the frequency limits. Right. Yeah. So we agree. I just, maybe we were just explaining it differently because you can have a, a, an amateur radio license and still be um, not being legal in your transmitting if you're putting out too much power, even if you get the right band and that kind of stuff. So Correct. Yeah. It's not a golden key to do whatever you want. Correct. Correct. So and there are different levels of the licensing too. Yes. For most FPV, all you need is that technician level, the very first, which is what I have. Yeah. The technician will, will cover pretty much everything. Um, I don't know if I everything mentioned it. Everything you would care about. I don't know if I mentioned it, but I actually upgraded mine. I went in for the general class. Oh, yeah? So, so I, now have that, I have that license now. So do you plan to utilize the upgraded capabilities? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's more um, if I wanted to play in, in a long-distance transmission. It's not necessarily for RC stuff. This is more... Uh, for the chicks? This is for the chicks. This is for the ham radio chicks. Yeah. If I want to do HF or Morse code stuff or uh, or uh, what do you call it, CW stuff and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I started looking at it. It's like, you know, I could do this. So I just did it just to do it. Give me more options for other stuff. Yeah. When I took my technician test, uh, they graded it and I passed it. And then they brought me whatever the next level is and said, here, since you're here, go ahead and try this one. Yeah, I did not pass that one. <laughs> I hadn't yeah. studied. I didn't prepare for it at all. And so. Yeah, you got to study for it because a lot of it is still rules, regulations. They still ask you a lot of questions about vacuum tubes. It's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> now, all three of us stuff. have our technician. Well, you have the general, but all three of us have a amateur license, correct? Yep. I'm actually a tech plus, but they did away with that several years uh-huh. ago. So they pushed me back down to tech. Hmm. Interesting. That's all right. Yeah. I don't think any less of you. <laughs> I well, know I got it. You're still a plus in my eyes. <laughs> but yes, I, uh, I my father was a ham radio operator, so I got mine to to do ham radio with my father. So uh, you know, the benefit of doing you know, the uh, FPV stuff was secondary. Hmm. All right, this is a huge sidebar, but given all the flooding stuff that was by you guys last summer. Did you utilize your ham privileges to help any of that? I didn't have to, but I did get it out. Okay. I was dumb. I didn't pick. I didn't have a uh, handheld or a radio until after the floods. Kind of when I realized, hey, wait a minute, I got this stupid license. How come I don't Where have a radio? is everybody? <laughs> <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. all alone. <laughs> so, so after that is when I started really paying attention to how things work. Because I had it, I got mine just for the the hobby stuff, for FPV and and some and RC related stuff. So I didn't really care about the guys about doing stuff under local repeaters and that kind of stuff. And then after that, I realized, you know, I really should see how what the guys are doing and how it works. And so I picked up uh, one of those really cheap Baofeng uh, handheld units and I got a scanner and uh, I've, I've, I've chimed in on a few of the local nets they do uh, when they test the repeaters and, and stuff like that. I've been to a few meetings. I went to a couple of different amateur radio club meetings to see how they did things. So it's actually been really interesting. Hmm. I've heard that, how do you pronounce it? Baofeng? 
Baofeng, yeah. I've heard they're the hobby king of the radio world. Yeah, uh, when I went to look for radio, everybody said, just get a Baofeng, they're cheap, and they work, and okay, fine. That sounds I, like I, hobby king. Yep. <laughs> so, and you can program with a, and with a computer, and so they're okay for what they are. Um, okay. But I might get one for the car, too, just for giggles, but I haven't done that yet. But anyways, back to Hobby King. It sounds like Hobby King had basically was blatantly um, in the non-compliance with the law and didn't seem to care about it. And that's the kind of the most surprising thing about it. It's not like they, they can claim like they were ignorant. It basically, the FCC had contacted them several times, according to the report, and they were just blown off. Right. Which, that doesn't make any sense, but... Uh, well, I don't know if if your only experience with the government organizations is you know the FAA or the Patent mm-hmm. Office, then you probably have good reason to suspect that it's empty threats. But I think the FCC has a, a pretty good history of actually enforcing the rules, and the ARRL, what is it, Amateur Radio Relay League, the yeah, the club side that actually manages all of the licensing. They're not kidding around. If you're skirting the rules, they're gonna. They're gonna oh yeah, you. the ARL. It's a sport it's, to them. It's a sport, and there's a plenty enough grumpy old men in ARL to to really come down on you for violating yeah. rules. Uh, but you know, and, it, it's a system that works. They've got yeah, yeah, the rules are out there, and there's private citizens who are willing to enforce those rules and takes the burden off of the government. So, I this is probably an overly broad statement with examples to the contrary, but. I think if the AMA and or modelers in general were more willing to police ourselves, then we wouldn't have so much trouble with the FAA right now. That's a good point. It, it, the, the ARL, the Amateur Radio Guys, is a really good uh, example of how of self-policing. Yep. These, these guys do not take any crap from anybody if you're violating the rules. And especially when they, when they hunt down transmitters for sport. Right. No, they're serious. <laughs> and you will get blackballed. Like you, if you're operating illegally and you go, you know, trying to talk to somebody, they will just ignore you as if you don't exist. While they call the FCC. Yeah, and apparently, according to this report, the FCC was called on Hobby King, so they were reported. I don't know if it's ARL or who who did it, but they were reported to the FCC. And so when that, when that happens, FCC has got to take that very seriously. I believe the ARRL filed this. Is it? Um, I would be surprised I, if they did. But yeah, I, I can't say for sure. And I also believe that they purchased one or more of these transmitters directly from Hobby King. And the fact that they were able to order it and have it shipped to the U.S. was part of the problem. Yeah, I think, yeah, the fact that you can, they sent it to the U.S., not the fact that it exists, but if you're trying to gonna sell them in the U.S., then you have to comply with FCC regulations. And uh, and the ARL guys, you know, these are very, very smart guys in this. So they can take one of these things apart and reverse engineer it and get all the data, spectrum analysis and everything from it and tell you exactly what it's doing. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be interesting. I would be very surprised if the final fine is the same amount. Mm. But I, I don't know. I will be watching this closely. You better believe. <laughs> with popcorn in hand yeah right <laughs> all right well enough of this uh depressing news let's go on to something that's uh far more entertaining 
And uh, that's buying RC stuff online, and more specifically, used RC stuff online. And uh, Lee, you're an expert on this? <laughs> no. <laughs> In my experience, yes. But I think this is something Terry and I were talking about uh, one day, and we just thought it might be a fun topic to to discuss, you know, what have your experiences been either buying or selling items, uh, you know, either Craigslist or eBay, RC groups, or some other classified system you prefer to use, or swap meets for that matter. But I think uh, online would, would be, uh, I mean, I, I bought several items on RC groups. So is that where you were taking this, uh, Terry, the first time, or was it something else? So, oh, I take it back. You were talking about the estate sales. Yeah, I've recently bought some stuff from an estate sale that was listed online. Um, it was actually a local sale, but everything had to be done online. So you don't really get, it's the same thing because you don't get to look at it hands on before you put down your money. So anyway, but you go ahead with your recent experience and then I'll chime in with mine. Well, I, I, we have no structure to this topic, so it's going to go everywhere. Do we have uh, structure on any topics? <laughs> well, it's like we didn't like talk about one item, so I have no idea where I'm going to go with this because y'all, y'all can just stop me if I go too long. But, you know, I was thinking um, just the other day, I, I keep a folder for any auction item I put on, which auction items would also include, you know, like RC groups and eBay. And I went through the other day and I must have had like 200 things I've photographed that I've sold. And I was like, look at some old RC stuff. And it's actually kind of a nice little history of things I've gotten rid of. But, you know, so you're I, talking about selling stuff, not buying it. Yeah, selling, well, buying and selling. But this, in this case, it's what I've, I've sold. But you know, I'm you got to be on both sides of this. You got to figure out, you know, how honest do you or are you with you know people when you're selling something? I'm pretty you know talkative as it is now, so you can imagine how how lengthy my classified <laughs> ads are. <laughs> you know, I, I photograph every little scratch and say, look, so, so you know, <laughs> you know, for a fact. It's like I remember I have a hundred percent positive rating on eBay, and I sold this item, and I was very clear that it was as is. Never turned it on, never plugged it in. I sold it to this guy, and he sent me a negative about you know I plug this in, it doesn't work. I was like, buddy, <laughs> it's like I told you, and I got so upset. <laughs> I, was like, you know, I told you everything, but um, I don't think I've, I, the good news is anything I've purchased on RC groups, I don't think has ever gone south for me. I think everything I've gone, I've, I've purchased has been exactly as described. I'm a big advocate of asking every single question you can think of before buying, you know, do a private message and just tell them, but most of might have been good, but I'm currently bidding on an estate sale kind of like terry just mentioned uh, on a box it's like the last lot of this estate sale and it's a box of model airplane stuff you know i think that's how they quoted it and deep down in there i saw a model airplane engine i was like okay how much is that worth to you it's like those tv shows where they auction off the sheds the storage sheds you don't get to see everything that's in there. Yeah, storage so, wars. But I was like, yeah. Yeah, you're right, because they've done that. It's like, do you see back there? That looks like the corner of a safe. <laughs> you know? could be, could be millions and jillions of dollars in there. You know, it turns out just to be a cardboard box. Um, but yeah, but I, it, it fits on it too. But there is there is an engine there. I actually done some more research. I've done like a, a Blade Runner scan of that photograph fits. <laughs> you can appreciate this. <laughs> you can enhance appreciate that reference. Enhance the image. Yeah, I've done it. I've enhanced the image, yes. So I'm really digging deep to look at the picture and, you know, okay, that's definitely a, a, a model airplane engine. So it looks like there's two in there. So I was like, okay, I mean, it's, it's worth just going to get. And uh, if you guys have been listening to our podcast many months ago, 
uh, Fitz and I came across a Craigslist ad of this guy who was selling off, or a family rather, selling off an entire balsa uh, kit pile from a, a storage room or a warehouse or whatever. And I think we both called Terry and said, Terry, you've got to go make, you know, you've got to go, you got to go see this. He goes, they're going to throw it away if you don't. And we just got all into that. It's like, that that seemed kind of cool. And like, so the, the question now is, what is it worth to me to just try to buy this? How much am I willing to go and, and possibly lose just for the experience of opening a mystery box? <laughs> well, that would be that's you could do like the Geraldo Rivera Capone's <laughs> vault we could do a, a no, live it, video it, the, the, not the Lusitania it was the uh, Andrea Doria oh yeah yeah <laughs> that was the one that was a big uh, oops <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there, no amount is too much for that kind of excitement oh yes it is <laughs> not of Lee's money <laughs> oh yeah, it's easy to spend other people's money. Yeah. Where do you stand with it now? Uh, I'm still the highest bidder, so we'll see how okay. it goes. I don't want to. I don't want to divulge too much information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might hold this uh, this audio file until next week after the sales over. But it, it's funny because I was listening to some old podcasts uh, from, from us just for fun on a road trip, and it was the one where I was in Rosemary Beach. And Fitz had mentioned in passing that when he travels, he changes his location in RC groups to where he is just in case he can find some cool items to buy. And I was like, what a genius, <laughs> mad genius there. So, well, and, and speaking of which, so Fitz, what have you bought on like RC groups that have, you know, turned out good? I mean, have you ever gotten a dog? And No, yeah. I haven't. I usually know what I'm getting uh, and have a good idea or I need to ask, if I ask, I ask questions if I need to. Uh, I can't say that I've ever had a bad uh experience uh although one thing i generally don't buy is batteries i try to avoid batteries for the most part i think i've only bought a set once and uh because uh, you never know what people how, how they've abused them or used them and that kind of stuff so yeah it's like buying a used rental car yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna say the same thing i think after graven's estate sale i'm done buying used batteries <laughs> yeah yeah don't buy used batteries <laughs> Uh, but I found, uh, in general, RC modelers are very, almost exclusively very honest and straightforward in, what, in, in dealing with them. And so I've gotten some good deals and good experiences, uh, even trade. I think I traded one guy for free. He gave me something. I gave him something. Uh, I almost do exclusively through RC groups, although I do a few things through eBay. And I, I may have used a, another auction site once or twice. Uh, but 95% is done off of RC groups with some eBay stuff. Uh, I, I searched Craigslist, and there's actually currently something on Craigslist I kind of have, have my eye on, but I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> but for the most part, I don't think I've ever really bought any RC stuff through Craigslist. You know that 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 dog in my garage I'm working on? You know the picture I sent y'all guys today that I'm working yeah. on? That's yeah. a damn Craigslist purchase. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a twenty dollar purchase that's costing me eight hundred dollars in headache. The quick belt you've been working on for four months? <laughs> yes. And like today, just to touch on the like we're gonna do a quick workbench. You know, I was going by the instructions on doing the push rods and it was so they were so loose, so uh it was just no strength to the uh, the rear control surfaces. I I changed them out to uh, push rods. I went with you know golden rods. Mm. Yeah, it's just I I couldn't. It wouldn't. It was just driving me crazy. So I went away with all the the, the metal push rods and the balsa stick and swapped it out. And I feel much better about it now. So it's just you know, again, 
It, it feels like a scratch belt, but I could I digress. <laughs> I guess I guess I don't know if we mentioned it, of course, but swap meets is also another place I get a lot of stuff. Are there a lot of swap meets in your area? Uh, there's a fair number. Uh, okay. And are have... they throughout the year? Or do they tend to be at one time of year? No, they, they seem to be spread out. Because uh, in fact, next month the Scobies having a swap meet. That's in July. Ooh. Yeah, they uh, do. Don't they usually do two a year in the park? Yeah, line? they do two or three a year. Yeah, so they're pretty common for those that club. And there's some random ones around, just around the Houston area. So uh, they're pretty common. So Terry, did, did you pick up those items yet that you got? Yeah, I did. That was a day or two after the auction closed, and actually. Um, you know, I ended up bidding on, I don't know, 20 different lots of stuff. And this was an interesting estate. It was obviously a hobbyist. And they had a ton of Lionel equipment, like train cars and engines and the track accessories. A ton of that stuff, which... Oh, yeah, I saw that. It's high dollar stuff right there. Well, yeah, I can appreciate it, but, you know, it doesn't really interest me. And then there was also a lot of plastic kits. There were airplanes and then a whole bunch of semi-truck plastic model kits. And I guess I knew they existed, but I didn't know much about them. But looking at the prices that those semis got at the end, some of those were well over $100. So uh, apparently there's a niche group of collectors out there who know their stuff and and they honed in on this. Um, but there was a whole lot of RC stuff and it really it spread the the range of what's out there. There were a lot of free flight, small free flight rubber powered kits all the way up to a, a yellow aircraft F-18 ducted fan model. And the interesting thing about it is I don't think he was into RC for you know, at least 15 years because all of the radio equipment was 72 megahertz and pretty old stuff, no computer radios. So that that F-18 is an interesting example because it was a beautiful airplane, uh, you know, all fiberglass molded, painted very nicely. But rather than a turbine, it had the OS, what was it, the 77 or the, the that OS ducted yeah, fan nitro engine? Yeah. Yeah. It had the nitro engine ducted fan, and then it had this seven-channel Futaba that you know looked like Moses programmed it. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. It, it looked like it had never been flown. So it's been sitting wherever for, gosh, probably 10 or 15 years at least. So that ended up going for $360. So I think for somebody who had the room, it's a one-piece airplane. So for somebody who had the room to transport it and store it, they could either get a heck of a deal on an airplane they could upgrade to a turbine or resell to somebody like that. So for me, I was interested in maybe getting it to resell, but it was just so darn big, I couldn't really justify storing it. But there was that F-18, there was a yellow aircraft SR-71, which is a 100-inch long fiberglass model. Beautiful. I saw the box for it. Um, oh, by the way, because it's local, um, there, I had questions on a couple of the items that I'd been on, so I emailed the the company running the auction and they let me go down to the warehouse and look at some of this stuff. So I think that was a, a rare glimpse that you don't usually get with online stuff. But anyway, in Lee, they had these yellow aircraft P-38s, enormous and gorgeous. And I think they were pretty much given away for less than a hundred bucks each. So sorry, buddy, you missed out. Oh, well. 
Yeah, I don't know how you would have got them. The, the boxes were just huge. So you would have to rent a truck to come up here and get it. <laughs> $2,000 later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I caught one of this thing pretty early on. And I think there was almost two weeks left to go when I first made my bid. So almost everything that I bid on, I was the first bidder. And I was getting in at the minimum, which is usually a dollar or two dollars. So I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to steal this stuff. I'm Daddy's getting a new playhouse. But uh, as with most auctions, the last few hours, everything just shot through the roof. So in the end, I only ended up winning uh, two of the lots. And, and that's okay. Um, I got some neat stuff. There was a, a flying wing kit that it's made out of balsa. I'll put that together. There's another mystery fuselage that I ended up with that's made out of sticks. I'll do that. So, and this was stuff that I didn't look at when I went to the warehouse. So it was just kind of a, a fun roll of the dice and I ended up with neat stuff for, I spent less than 20 bucks. Oh, and I got a couple boats too. Oh. Yeah. What kind of boats? Um, <laughs> toy grade boats. They have, um, it's two of them that are matching. They have speed 400s, but rather than a movable rudder, it uses differential thrust. And I was able to find examples of them online with videos. And the stock radio system is just bang, bang speed controls. So it's either a full on, full reverse, or off. So what I think I'll do is I'll just put some modern reversing speed controls, speed controls and have a proportional throttle and keep the differential thrust. They, yeah, they look cool. And for, I think I paid 10 bucks for the pair of them. So even if they don't work out and I throw them in the garbage, it'll be worth the, the fun I have playing with them. So what was the point of all that? I don't know. Sometimes this can be fun. Even if you don't know what you're getting into. I've probably sold as much stuff on RC Groups as I've bought. And I've only had one person that tried to pull one over on me. I sold a, a quad set, and then after it got there, like it had to be a month later, I got an email from the guy saying that uh, it flew away or the battery did something and the board melted. And a few very rudimentary questions kind of blew holes in his story, and I never heard from him again. So I, I think they were just trying to get a refund without me asking for the stuff back. But for the most part, I agree with you guys. People are pretty honest and... I haven't had any issues. But the interesting thing is, early on, I was always worried that it's a seller that's going to try to dupe me. But I think now, especially with PayPal, you're just as likely to get duped as uh, from a buyer as you are from a seller. Hmm. And if you go out to the Trader Talk on RC Groups, you'll see a lot of examples of both. So it pays to research the person on the other end if you can. I don't buy anything from someone who's just registered within a, a, a day or two. Right. And then, of course, the friends and family, you avoid that on PayPal. So, oh, yeah. yeah, I think there's some tricks of the trade to help improve your chances of getting away clean. But you never know. I remember the days when we used to send money orders to each other. That seemed to work out okay. <laughs> Caveman days. Yeah. My mother-in-law still mails cash. You're not supposed to do that. I know. <laughs> In pennies. 
Uh, uh, well, I say buyer right. beware, but yeah. yeah. All right, before we move on, tell me your best and your worst purchases over the internet. RC related, right? Yeah, inflatable wives don't count. <laughs> uh, I'm having a problem thinking of any. Um, or you can just use the best deal. It doesn't have to be the coolest thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. I bought too much stuff to remember. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. What was the memory of this stuff? I nothing. Nothing sparks th- to say I've had a terrible deal. A terrible dealing. You know, don't think I've gotten something that was bad. I mean, I, I, the swap meets have been worse than that. <laughs> you know, when I actually get my hands on it and go, I, I want this. And I get home and go, why did I buy this? <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't need this. <laughs> no, I, no I, I think everything's been pretty good. Although what I will say is, I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying out different estate sale items online. And sometimes, in fact, I think I told you guys, and I'm not sure, but uh, one site I go to that, that lists storage auctions you know you watch that darn storage wars you got to go online find out if anybody locals you know selling a thing but there was a a place down in seabrook i think and this guy had a helicopter in the back and a stunt plane that was for sale and the the, i think the whole storage thing went for over 200 dollars. i was like for for just wanting those two items i wasn't going to spend you know 200 dollars to do all that right then you gotta you gotta get rid of all the stuff you didn't want yeah, and it's probably, you know, like an AM system, right? <laughs> no, I mean, it's Use like... Use so, mattresses. <laughs> so, <you laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, but I have seen, I have seen that. But like I, I mentioned, I have a friend who just seems to know, you know, when the state sales are going up and he gets them for pennies on the dollar and it's amazing. And I haven't, haven't had that kind of luck yet, except for that, that uh, family member who passed away and I got a lot of tools. Um, but I'm still looking for, you know, that one RC deal, but it's got to be something I want. You know, I, I don't want to end up being just picking up stuff to try to resell it. I'd like to see if I can get something that I would really like to enjoy. Yeah. yeah there's an art to it, and or maybe it's a talent or a, a natural gift, but I know people who just seem to find exactly the right things when they either go to the Salvation Army store or the Goodwill or yard sales, whatever. They just have a knack for knowing what to buy and how to buy it cheaply. And then they go on eBay or wherever and they sell it at a huge profit. I know a guy. <laughs> go ahead. I, I know a guy who makes his living doing that. He hits really? the garage sales every weekend. He goes to the, you know, the, all the different consignment stores, and he just knows what to buy. So, but he must know how to sell it too, though. I mean, you can't well, yeah, sell it. Right. There's both sides of the coin, but there, it's definitely an art that some people have mastered, and I. I may have gotten lucky a couple of times, but I'm no master. Yeah, I haven't. I was going to say, I haven't been to a Goodwill and, and showed up and seen a, a yellow aircraft P-38 sitting there next to the, <laughs> next, next to the televisions, you know, and, with a $50 dollars. ticket on it. <laughs> $5. And talk them and down to two. It's Red Sticker Wednesday. <laughs> well, I, I had something similar, actually, from, I can't remember if it was Goodwill or Salvation Army, uh, but right near where I work. I walked by and there is this, Kyosho Sea Wind sailboat sitting in the window. What? And I said, well, that's interesting. So I walk in, and this is a, a Kyosho Sea Wind, nice sailboat, very little use, receiver ready for $40. Oh. And that's the one you had at the, so the what, do you, what do you call your boat thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, you have a name for it now. Yeah, the Boat Fun Fest. Fun okay. Float. 
So you had that there? Yeah, I had that there. I have, I yeah, have Steve, it. Steve said he saw it. He goes, he got that for 40 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was two sailboats in this recent estate sale, and they both went for pretty good money. So, yeah, wow. Nice find. Yeah. And, yeah. and of course, the people at the Goodwill, whatever, they thought, oh, it doesn't have the controller. Can't ask much for this. Yeah, right. It didn't have a controller on it. and It had a receiver in it, but it was an old 72 megahertz thing. Uh, I think it did. Yeah, yeah but anyways, yeah, it wasn't nothing I used. So, uh, so yeah, I was, I was just by chance. It's like, oh yeah, shut up and take my money. Right. And it's a very so nice now, sailing boat too. Now you go by that window every day. <laughs> yeah, I do walk in there. Boats. In fact, um, another time I went in there and they had a whole bunch of plastic model kits, uh, and some of them were pretty old looking. So I, I, I bought a bunch of them, um, and I told some of my. Uh, local uh hobby uh plastic model club members said hey they got a bunch of kits in here you might want to take a look i didn't want to get them all but um <laughs> right. they, they all went pretty quickly huh. uh, so but I, I still have a bunch in the box i bought them not to sell just because i thought they were neat and uh, i probably build them one of these years i am going right. to goodwill tomorrow <laughs> yeah you never know <laughs> I'm gonna to walk donate <laughs> no i'm gonna see planes in there i was just i'm feeling lucky <laughs> <laughs> actually my sister-in-law works at another one so i keep telling her if you see any model airplanes let me know <laughs> right <laughs> no fitz has printed a poster it says if you see this it's got a picture of all the things he wants you grab it for me <laughs> actually i actually kind of did that i showed her a, a commodore 64 it says if you see a computer looks like this let me know <laughs> put it see, in the there, back yeah there's insiders there we knew that <laughs> <laughs> Right there you go here. And how many dollars? Hand of the bobby baby bit five. Hand ten. Hand of the five. Hand of the bobby baby bit ten. We post a lot of stuff all the time on Facebook. So that's a great way to keep in touch with what we're doing and to get follow up stories on some of the stuff we talk about. And we are also on Twitter, which uh, we post less frequently there, but we're also active on that. So we encourage everybody who's listening to the show to go to Facebook, follow us, go to Twitter and follow us, go to YouTube and find our channel. And you can find videos that we don't talk about here. So there's all kinds of stuff that's outside the show that you may be missing out on. So, And we get great messages and posts from, from people on our Facebook page. And sometimes we get into a long conversation piece about it. So if you have something you want us to talk about, or if you want to follow with one of the things we talked about on our podcast, let us know. We get some good stuff out there. We see, and you know, we get some interesting planes and projects people are working on. We'd love to share them with other people. Absolutely. Yep. Just go to rcroundtable.com and we have all the links to all those social media sites. And we hope to see you there online and, of course, on the next episode. So until next time, everybody have a wonderful day. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.